What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Monkey Mind Podcast. This is episode 15 featuring Dr. Kristen Casey. She is a licensed clinical psychologist with Evolved Psychological Services with her expertise being in anxiety, depression, and trauma, as well as LGBTQIA presenting concerns. So without further ado, let's get into it. Kristen Casey, thank you for coming on. We're super excited to have you on. So thank you for uh, taking the time out to speak with us. Thank you. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. So if you don't mind, just um, give me a quick little uh, introduction about yourself and you know what you do and um, your background. Sure. So I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. Uh, so what that means is I work with people in therapy uh, with a variety of concerns. Most of the time I work with people with anxiety, depression, trauma, self-esteem issues, um, I also work with um, a lot of LGBTQ presenting concerns as well, coming out, gender dysphoria. Um, I own a private practice. Um, I also have had all my clinical experiences have been at the Department of Veterans Affairs um, in Phoenix. So oh, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, we're pretty much in this to educate people. That was our biggest thing and to help those who are, you know, going through something. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just feel more comfortable being open about it um, on their own terms or wherever that may be, just coming out and speaking about their issues. So um, we're excited to have you on so you can kind of educate those who maybe don't deal with these things, but maybe have met someone who does or have someone in their life who may deal with these things, um, just kind of understand it a little bit better. So um, <clears throat> just on the general premise of mental illness, mm -hmm. from a professional standpoint, um, what exactly is it, if you could tell those listening? Yeah, so um, just a disclaimer, every therapist and psychologist views this differently, right? So in my experiences and my clinical training and personal experiences as well, to me, mental illness is the way that we cope with trauma and the way that we deal with the world, right? So if you're experiencing anxiety, depression, um, not feeling motivated, feeling burnt out, uh, your body's kind of telling you something's not right. Um, and there's a huge mind-body connection there in terms of whenever we think and feel, um, we experience in our bodies, right? So if we're feeling depressed and anxious, uh, we might not feel 100% at work. Um, we might not wanna engage with other people. So mental illness, I think, there's a huge stigma with the word, uh, but we, every single one of us experiences it. Um, so I think on a basic core level, uh, when you do experience depression, anxiety, anything like that, those are the biggest ones. Um, really it's taking the time to, to ask yourself, Hey, what is going on with me? Right? Like what is, what is about, what is it about my life right now that I'm upset with? Um, and with therapy and, um, seeing a mental health professional, one of the best things to do is to talk about these things because it might be from a place where you don't even know, you might not even know why you're experiencing this. Um, so self-awareness and, uh, reducing the stigma are the two most important things with mental health. Yeah. Mental illness, yeah. Which I think is the biggest thing is that um, just sometimes you don't know what the trigger is. And yeah. that's why I think seeking a professional is huge and mm -hmm. helping find that. I know personally for me, um, I saw, I've seen therapists my whole life at one point or another. And I think that it's definitely made an impact on me and in, um, in finding those little things that 
are bothering me and triggering these panic attacks and the depressive episodes. So Yeah, you, you made a really good point because I think when it comes to therapy and when it comes to, like you're saying, experiencing panic attacks or any sort of mental health issue, when you see a therapist, it's, um, it's not like we're in a white coat just sitting there analyzing you. You know what I mean? It's more so like how I see it as um, those of us who have been in therapy before, you're kind of walking on a path together. The therapist isn't in front of you. They're not behind you. They're walking right alongside you. Um, and they're kind of guiding you in a way based on research. But um, you're really the expert on your life. And you know what's right and what isn't right in terms of your depression and if you're feeling good or anything like that. And the therapist, in my mind, serves as a guide, not like an, um, somebody to tell you how to live your life. So, exactly. yeah. It's actually kind of funny because, you know, Danny and I have, been uh, focused on this for so long but like that question that he asked you about you know what is mental illness it's mm -hmm. you know when I think of it I think of you know anxiety depression and whatnot but I've never actually thought about you know what it is and you saying um you know it's kind of how we portray things in the world or how we cope with things um yeah. it's kind of just got me thinking and you know it's it like we learn something new every day especially about something that we struggled with and whatnot and um you know it's it's just kind of I, I mean obviously we hear different stories and different guys coming on or um girls coming on whoever it is mm -hmm. um we hear their stories but i don't think the main focus on what mental health has been kind of um you know discussed so um i mean even just now <laughs> that's got me thinking about a million different things so yeah and in my mind too if you think about evolutionary psychology and we're born right and we have to survive we have to figure out how to survive in this world right and some of us are lucky enough to have a support system right friends family around us to help us figure these things out um, even with embedded in those support systems could be people who are not so good for you, right? Um, but either way, we develop these coping skills during our developmental years, the years that we're kind of uh, forming our brain. Um, and during those years, uh, it really has an impact on us compared to if you did this when you were older and all developed, you know? So when we develop those, uh, those coping skills and adaptive strategies um, when we're younger, it's really hard to... Um, it's really hard to challenge those unless you actually think about your thinking. It's called metacognition. Like, why am I thinking about this? And when I am thinking about this, why am I thinking about this? Right? So it really is kind of delving deep into those adaptive strategies that you used back then. And in my, in my view, my clinical view is that depression, anxiety, and any, anything that you're dealing with, you're going about it the same way that you always knew how when you were younger. And maybe that's not so adaptive right now, or maybe that's not so adaptive in this situation. It was adaptive back then because it kept you safe, it helped you survive, um, but now it might not be so helpful. Um, so I really think it's just uh, figuring out how to survive your situation. Um, and just, it's really therapy is just kind of tweaking what we're doing, because you're not doing it wrong, you did it for a reason. Um, mm. It's just a matter of figuring out what's more effective. I think, I think that's uh, where athletes and Obviously, there's so many people that struggle with those, but athletes mm -hmm. specifically, um, going back to what you said about, you know, kind of thinking the way we do when we're younger, yeah. um, we're kind of 
you know, molded by the idea of, you know, push through, like be tough and, you know, kind of just like keep trucking along. And for athletes, you're getting told that at 10, 11, 12. So you keep that with you, but it gets to a point where you get to a certain age that, you know, just pushing through whatever you're thinking of isn't enough and it's actually causing you more harm than um before and i i think that's where athletes struggle because you know as a hockey player you're supposed to be built tough and right. um mm-hmm. you know kind of you know just get up and keep going you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and um i think that's where it backfires on people i mean especially for me like I mean, that's kind of how my mentality was and that's what got me into trouble. And I think it does start at a really young age that gets imprinted on kids. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I wish I could – it was as easy as just saying, hey, talk to somebody. But, you know, you get some couple guys that, you know – are so stubborn and whatnot, myself included. Like I was one of those guys that just refused to do so. And it ends up backfiring and, you know, they cope with different things. They, you know, become angry or whatnot. And it just turns into a downward spiral for them. And um, I mean, it's just, it it was, I I think going like focusing on how it starts at such a young age, Mm may not seem so serious but at the end of the day like some of those things are detrimental on a long-term effect you mean you made two really great points the first point that you made was you know you're you're kind of taught um to distract yourself and just to keep going and that's a that's adaptive in certain situations right if you're um working on an ambulance or you're in the middle of a game as a as an athlete you have you can't really think you have to just keep going. Um, so distraction, keep keeping going is, is helpful. But then if you just kind of live the whole, your whole life that way and you never kind of stop and think, hey, what's going on? Um, if you are experiencing mental health concerns, there are some people out there that they experience these things and they don't really need to talk to anybody. You know, they're able to work through it on their own. Therapy is helpful for people who are like, I really have no idea what to do. Um, and I really don't know how to get there. Or it might even be therapy. It might even just be becoming an avid um, consumer of research. You know, what can I do for myself when I'm feeling this? Or what can I do for myself um, when I'm experiencing these things? Yeah. Um, one thing you mentioned before was how those, there's like the certain crucial age of brain development. And I, I understand that the brain doesn't stop fully developing till the age of 25, correct? So there's conflicting research out there. So um, the ones that I have, the articles that I've researched um, and read about, it, it differs from male and females. So um, females, they tend to have a total brain development at around 24, 25. Men are, I think, 26, 27. Okay. Um, I'll try to validate that uh, by sending you an article or two. Um, but yeah, I mean, even in utero, um, there's all these different things that happen and then, um, Based on that, the brain development is different for everybody, really, depending on your gender, um, socioeconomic status, actually, um, and a, lo- a lot of different things play into it. 
yeah, yeah. development, complete development, yeah, around like 26, I would say. Okay. Do you, do you, do you think, uh, sorry, do you, do you think that like being in a physical sport has an effect on that? Like in terms taking, of development? Yeah, just like, I mean, for a hockey, let's just use mm-hmm. hockey because it's so right. um, know, easy for us to relate to. Awesome. Yeah. Um, like, <clears throat> obviously it gets more demanding on the body as you get older, but when it comes to brain development, um, you know, you got guys coming from major junior that possibly fighting every two or three games and taking constant blows to the head or whatnot. Yeah. Like, would you think or say that that has some sort of effect on the development or just like the mental uh, health aspects? That's a, that's a really good question. I think um, there's some research out there to support that uh, being a part of a sport or a team really helps with uh, cognitive flexibility and resiliency. So cognitive flexibility is the ability for you to say, hey, I have this information coming in. How am I going to deal with it and process it? And how am I going to go about it? And I'm going to go about it differently based on different situations. You're able to kind of adapt, right? Uh, resiliency is the ability for you to kind of have thick skin and kind of get through things and not have it be detrimental to your functioning, right? So when we're on a sport and a team, we're able to kind of collaborate with other people. And then when we think about the social aspect of that, um, these people are also role models for us, right? So if you see one of your teammates get hurt and how they handle it, uh, like you were saying, like all of us guys were together and this is what we did. So you kind of learn things based on that. So in terms of development, um, I can't really speak to the development because I don't really know much research on that. But in terms of social development and mental health development, in terms of depression, anxiety, I think it's a really good protective factor. Yeah. And then one thing you said too about that was huge for me and something I think is so important was that um, you said that pretty much everybody has something going on. Um, Mm -hmm. I forget what exactly, which way you worded it, but it was just, that's something that we both realized was that um, after both of us, I know me from personal experience, being vulnerable with a couple of buddies that I've played with and stuff, it allowed mm-hmm. them to maybe feel comfortable with opening up to me. And then at that point, I started to kind of realize the trickle effect that a lot of other people do have, you know, some of their own battles that they're going through, which I think is so important. Um, and the fact that you said that it makes it hold true is that, you know, we feel so alone when we're kind of going through these battles, mm-hmm. uh, which is normal to feel like, you know, it's, it's your own special thing that you're going through. It's, it's very tough, but yeah. um there's also other people that are suffering as well. And it's okay that you're going through something um, and that it's okay that you're, you know, battling what you're going through, but you're not alone and that it's okay to seek help, which I think is, is huge that you said that. Oh yeah. That's a, that's such a good point. Yeah. Cause my, my thought on it is you can't really get through life without experiencing discomfort, stress, issues. You, you, mm. you really can't. I mean, if, if you really want to do that, then you should already just be six feet under. Cause I mean, really, I mean, everybody has to experience these things throughout life. And I think um, everybody is always going through something. So how I, how I kind of view the world and how I interact with the world, not only as a psychologist, but just a human being is whenever I meet anybody, strangers, friends, family, whatever, you know, I don't know what's going on with them mm-hmm. and how they're showing up to the world today, that this is the best that they got right now. Like they, mm-hmm. they're doing the absolute best that they can. So if they're angry, upset, yelling, whatever they're doing, this is literally the best they got right now. They're doing the best that they can. Mm -hmm. So I think when we really think about it on the grand scheme of things, it's just all human beings. Um, 
everybody is always good for something and how they're showing up, meaning how you're seeing them and how you're interacting with them. Um, it's really not personal. You know, mm -hmm. if somebody's yelling at you or upset, of course you want to, you want to yell. I mean, I would want to yell, but yep. th that's that person coping with it the best way that they can, like the adaptive mm -hmm. coping skills that they have. But um, everybody's always going through something. Um, one thing that you did mention, it's my favorite, ultimate favorite topic is vulnerability. Um, when you're vulnerable and authentic, like you said, you were opening up to friends and uh, people in your life. When, when you're able to do that, you're giving indirect permission to that person to do the same, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm showing up and I'm saying, hey, I've been through, been through some stuff, right? I've been through a lot of stuff. This is, the, this is my stuff, um, here it is. And then they kind of think, oh, okay, they, may, they might feel safe with me, maybe I could feel safe with them. Mm -hmm. And that's how we reduce the mental health stigma, is just having these conversations. Exactly, and that's the yeah. thing. It's, it's having people feel comfortable with knowing that mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to not be okay. That's, we have that slogan yeah. on, our, on our bio, and it's just such an important point because I feel like once we got past that, that vulnerability and we were able to feel comfortable opening up, I think it, um, it really helped me personally, especially just being able to you know, have to see a therapist. I mean, there was a point this time where I had to leave um, the team that I was playing for to seek mm -hmm. professional help back home. And yeah. that, was, that was a huge thing. And um, for me, it was, it was identity was getting, you know, I felt like my identity was, you know, switching. And uh, as far as like, you know, am I, I've been a hockey player my whole life, you know? Mm -hmm. And I felt like the world was kind of coming down. And, you know, I just, that, that's a hard thing. Is that when you when you do something for 24 years, 20, 23 years, whatever it is, um, and maybe things aren't going the way you you'd hoped, that that's a big um, hit to the heart, and yeah. you know, it's that's your identity. Is I'm a hockey player, and um, mm -hmm. it's just it's hard to deal with that. But seeing a therapist was such a um, enlightening thing for me. That was huge, and I think it's very beneficial that I think more people need to, you know, if, if they feel like they're going through something to seek that help professionally. Oh yeah. That's, that's great because I think when it comes to therapy and how we're trained, so I have, um, I have a doc, doctor of psychology, right? I have a two master's degrees, a bachelor's degree. I was also an EMT before that. Right. So when I think about all the clinical training that I've had, um, I could conceptualize people's issues, right. Based in a couple of categories because we kind of diagnose people right mm. but when you think about it you're like you said your situation is very unique and yet it also falls in the broad continuum of being a human right so what you're talking about is the stage of development it's called emerging adulthood it's from 19 to 25 um, during this time it's identity exploration you're having a lot of identity crises what am I going to do with my life mm -hmm. I was a hockey player for 24 years what am I going to do now all, all these things that go on and then you might experience anxiety depression all those mm -hmm. things so it's a symptom, your symptoms um, of what you're experiencing of like, wow, I need to see a therapist because I don't know what, I'm, what what's going on with me is part of the broad human collective experience as well because other people go through similar things, right? Mm -hmm. um, but just the way that you're able to be open about your unique experience, people could absolutely relate, you know? Mm -hmm. Without so, a doubt. And that was the thing. That yeah. was the thing is that I, I've always dealt with anxiety and depression, always my whole life, but it, it mm -hmm. flares up in certain points of my life. Um, and this time I was playing my season and um, I, I love playing hockey. It's awesome. I was going to the rink every day. Right. But I was just, wasn't able to sleep. It was hour, two hours of sleep a night, anxiety mm. attacks, like crazy depressive episodes. And I just couldn't put a finger on what was going on. I was like, I should be happy. I'm playing hockey, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, 
taking time to step away from the game and get that professional help was mm-hmm. huge because I was able to kind of work through it with a therapist. Yeah. On, okay. Let, let's walk through this together. Let's take this journey mm-hmm. together on finding what's going on and how you can make this a better situation for you and, yeah. and finding ways to properly cope, which I think is, is, is a big thing as well. It is. Yeah. Cause, and the thing is a lot of people think therapy is scary because they're like, what if I don't like my therapist? What if they don't understand me? What if I don't like seeing them? And all that is normal, right? So you should always interview your therapist. If you get a weird vibe, you find someone new. Any doctor that you meet, that's one of your rights as a patient, right? You have to interview people. They're interviewing you, right? But you're interviewing them as well. And then is this person really going to vibe with me? I'm just using layman's terms, because if you don't get a good vibe from the person that you're sitting across with, it's going to be really hard to get deep, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that step and you were vulnerable and saw someone. You know, because we all, I see a therapist too as a therapist. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, uh, you know, I'm maybe biased, but like I was always opposed to seeing a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense. <laughs> um, oh, but, yeah, no. We, it's all good. Preference. I was always opposed to seeing a therapist or talking to someone because, mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to be that tough hockey player and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I think, with uh Danny and I doing the podcast um I mentioned it probably when we first started that after every interview or whatnot I I feel so relieved and you know I just kind of have a clear clear mind and whatnot and I mean I think the problem with people is just like they think that if they talk to someone that they're weak, but mm-hmm. that's not the case at all. Um, but it also doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. It's someone you just feel yeah. comfortable. Like yeah. Danny, and I, Danny and I have never met, but in person, mm-hmm. but I, I feel more comfortable talking to him than, you know, so many people like yeah. even that I've been friends with since I was nine or 10. And, um, I've become a big advocate for making sure people are talking because it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you, you know, soft as hockey players say, Mm -hmm. it it has been the most therapeutic and beneficial time in my experience with like mental, I have really bad anxiety. Um, so, I mean, since, like I talked to people before, but since the podcast has kind of developed, it's been the most, like, relieved I've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I, <clears throat> I've just, I, I didn't give it enough credit beforehand. I didn't give it a bit, I didn't give it a chance enough. And, you know, I was always so angry at the fact that, Oh, I'm that kid that's seen a therapist, but at the end of the day, I was so worried about what other people thought rather than focus on my own kind of comfort and, you know, stability per se. So, I mean, if there's one thing that, or one message that I could say to anyone is to just, you know, just find anyone. It doesn't need to be a therapist. It can be anyone. Um, you know, but 
talking about it and just expressing it, um, not hesitating or, you know, feeling concerned about how you're sounding or what you're saying mm-hmm. just eliminates that like underlying feeling of, you know, that cloud over your head or that like tight chest or whatever some people feel. But yeah. I mean, definitely has changed my life (laughs) oh yeah no I'm on the same page you know if I think it's always helpful if you have people around you that you could talk with Uh, the only difference with therapy is that the person that's sitting across from you doesn't really know you and they can't tell anybody about what you tell them right so nobody would ever know um and you know we have some training and stuff but I think the big thing is connecting what you're talking about is connecting and having that human connection with people um there's actually uh it's called I don't know if you guys have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I have, yeah. Okay, yeah. So basically, one of the main needs that we have as humans is to belong, meaning connect, right? So, depression and anxiety is, you know, more so depression is you don't feel connected with yourself, and then you really can't connect with other people. At least mm-hmm. that's how I view it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think connecting with anybody that you can is really helpful. Because if you can't connect with other people, then you feel alone. And when you feel alone, like you're saying, you kind of don't feel refreshed and yourself. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important. Yeah. Um, so for those out there listening who maybe have a loved one um, who might be going through something, or maybe they themselves are going, going through something, what are some of the signs that maybe mm-hmm. someone can pick up maybe in themselves or in, in a loved one that, you know, someone is maybe getting really anxious or going or maybe becoming depressed because I know that there are you know little triggers um people not feeling energetic or using ex- certain words that are excuses for you know little like trigger words to say you know I'm, I'm tired the excuse I'm tired is a big one where are you right. tired or are you just feeling a little depressed like, what are some of the um yeah yeah, when we think about, it depends on the, the diagnosis, right? So for depression, the big thing is feeling low or feeling sad for more days than not for at least two weeks, right? So you just kind of feel like, oh, I'm not feeling myself, I feel down. Um, other experiences that other people could observe at least are, you know, isolation, anhedonia, meaning you, you just don't have interest in doing things that you used to enjoy. Um, you're exhausted, concentration issues. Uh, suicidal ideation is a big one. Nobody likes talking about it, but it's my favorite topic. So feeling like you just don't want to wake up. Um, mm. Other behavioral changes might be, you know, not really showing up on time, feeling like you're overwhelmed, things like that. Um, with anxiety, um, for those of us who have panic attacks, it's, you know, feeling like you don't want to leave the house or you don't want to be in certain situations because you feel like you're going to pass out. Mm. Um, you might feel really worried. Um, all of those things might contribute or that other people would notice. In terms of noticing it within yourself, that's a different story. So if you feel distracted, the biggest thing is, am I waking up and am I, am I feeling like myself? And it, you don't even have to know what you're feeling, but am I feeling like myself? And if I'm not feeling like myself, doing that metacognition thing, thinking about your thinking, what's going on in my head right now? You know, what do I want to do? Do I want to just stay home? Do I want to interact with people? What do I want? And then based on that, you could kind of get a brief assessment in your head of, okay, am I experiencing something that I've, I've experienced before? Is, is this new? Is this, mm-hmm. you know, is this old? Have I, have I experienced this before? Um, and then from there, you could kind of guide it. So depression, when I look at depression, it's 
deep rest, like depressed, your body literally needs a timeout. Like you literally need to just kind of sit down and just kind of feel it for a little and just kind okay. of take a break. And then you could kind of take inventory of what's going on. Okay. Um, yeah, but if, if you notice your friends or your family or um, anybody that you love isn't themselves, they might not be ready to talk about it, right? So you have to base it on what their comfort level is. But, you know, you just kind of keep tabs on them. Hey, I'm here if you need me or hey, let's grab coffee. Okay. Trying to connect with them okay. is the first thing. Second thing is if you start to notice that they're like really not themselves, you're not leaving the house and things like that, uh, trying to intervene the best way you can by saying, hey, I'm going to come over. I'll bring you some pizza, anything, right? Okay. Trying to connect. And then laying the groundwork of like, hey, whatever you're going through, I've probably gone through something similar. And even if I haven't gone through this, I'm going to try the best that I can to understand or at least imagine what it's like for you. Right. Okay. So like you said, like you both have said, it's really just developing trust and having that open dialogue with people. Mm -hmm. It's connecting is the biggest, biggest protective factor for mental exactly. health. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think that's so important. And I'm happy that you mm -hmm. said that because I, I think that um, when you, when you notice a loved one, um, who, who's going through something, it's hard because you don't know what to do. And you and it's you're like you're walking on eggshells almost because mm -hmm. you don't want to upset them or trigger them, but you also want them to know that you're there for them. Um, mm -hmm. But sometimes when you're someone who's going through, you know, anxiety or depression, you know, maybe you do want to be left alone and you don't want to be triggered to snap on that person that you love. So it's just both sides, but it's finding ways. And I'm happy that you gave those examples of, of ways to um, – you know, let them know that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. and, and just like you said, building that trust and that connection. That yeah, just connecting. Yep. Yeah, just connect with people. Check on your strong friends too. People who, like Anthony was saying, hey, I have it all together. I'm good. You know, I don't want to talk about things. Those people sometimes have a tendency to internalize and, you know, not really feel like themselves and they try to just um, push through. Yeah. Um, I'm one of those people too, you know. So mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you have to kind of say, hey, how are you actually doing? Right. Because in American culture, we just say, hey, how are you? And etiquette is, hey, I'm good. How are you? Mm -hmm. It's not like, hey, tell me what's really up. So it's really kind of opening that door, I think, is the best thing. Okay. <clears throat> this is kind of like a just a little side comment. But I think since I've been more aware of my own, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever mm -hmm. it may be, <clears throat> I've also become very um, conscientious of other people mm. because yeah. um like i can pick up on things and you know i can i can notice somebody acting differently than they usually would and um i don't drink anymore so like when i'm around people that are drinking it's also very easy for me to recognize like the difference between somebody enjoying mm. you know hanging out and whatnot yep. rather than you know if somebody's drinking to you know maybe mask some sort of effect but mm -hmm. <clears throat> the struggle that I've had recently is kind of understanding on how to approach or you know um, confront someone that is acting differently or you know something I noticed because for me if I'm in, in a bad mood or you know I'm just not having a good day Mm -hmm. I want to be, I want to be left alone. I don't want to be asked if I'm okay. I don't, I don't want to be bothered. I just kind of, I like doing my own thing. I like just, you know, going about my business and, you know, and um, when people do ask me or try and push to, 
you know, get me to talk. It almost frustrates me more. So I've been, you know, I've been at like a standstill with, um, you know, people that I have noticed something different because I don't want to trigger them or I don't want to, you know, frustrate them more. And I don't know what they're going through. So it's like, that's where I'm at, but it's kind of just, it just got me thinking what we were talking about and whatnot. So yeah. I was just pointing that out. That's a, that's a really great point. I think you're pointing out, um, how do I help someone? How, how do I figure out how to help someone? First of all, right. Cause exactly. everybody, like you're saying, everybody copes differently and everybody wants different things. So, um, again, this is just my clinical, this is my opinion. Um, it's not like therapy advice or anything like that, but my, my biggest thing that I would say is, um, really figuring out how can I ask this person for permission to then ask them what they need, right? So you could say something like, hey, I'm noticing A, B, and C. I'm noticing like we haven't hung out in like a month or we haven't done this or that or, you know, I haven't seen you. What's up? Um, and they'll say, oh, I'm just tired, whatever, uh, like Danny was saying. And then you could say something like, hey, when I notice that things are different with you, what? how would you prefer that I communicate with you. Obviously you put this in your own words, right? Yeah. So you're basically saying, Hey, when I, when I notice that you're not yourself, what do you need? How can I help? And what do you need? Right. And for you, it might be like, Hey, I just need some space. Other people might be like, actually, I can't wait to talk to somebody. And other people might not really even know. Right. So, um, as a friend, it's, it puts you in a weird situation because you don't really know how to help. Um, but as a person, you know, uh, who experiences depression, anxiety, anything like that, taking inventory of how you, how you want to deal with things and how others should treat you when you're, when you are that way is helpful. So just asking for permission, Hey, you know, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, they might, they might say, I just need some space and you say, okay, cool. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and you got, and yeah. you acknowledge that. Yeah. Awesome. One thing. Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say being persistent is, you know, I think it's good and bad because, you know, it, it's good because it shows that you care and you want to help someone, but from a negative standpoint, it can mm. also be driving them even crazier. And that's how I get, like, I'll openly admit that if someone's like very persistent on, you know, Hey, you, you okay? You okay? Everything mm. good? Like, I'm like, all right, get, <laughs> like, get away from me. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, like I, it almost makes me feel worse because it makes me feel like rather than, you know, getting better and just kind of like moving forward in my head, I'm telling myself, but yeah, I feel better. I feel better. But then they ask me again and I'm like, am I really not like making any sort of change or do I really not seem any different? And I'm like, I've been, doing all these things to try and get better and you're mm-hmm. still asking me so is what i'm doing not good enough and then it also like tends to lead to me feeling almost worse because it's like all right i've been you know doing all these things to try and alleviate the stress or the anger or whatever it may be and people are still asking me it's like mm-hmm. all right so now i'm not good enough and now i have more you know, I feel worse about myself. It's a reminder. Yeah. Of your struggles. Yeah. But I mean, especially like, so I can 
I won't touch too much on it, but like with not drinking. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> if I'm like in a bad mood, so I'm like, no, it, like, am I allowed to be in a bad, like, everyone has bad days, I get that, but, like, it has been hard for me not to, you know, continue, like, or just, like, drink in general, mm-hmm. and when people ask me, it's almost like I feel like they are doubting me or anything, like, along those lines, and, like, it pisses me off because I'm, like, I'm invested in this, like, I'm set in stone, I have these goals, like I'm probably more grounded than I ever have been it's like almost like a slap in the face when they ask me because I'm like what indicate like oh I'm in a bad mood that shouldn't be an indication that I'm drinking like yeah everybody copes differently right so some people use substances to cope other people like like you're alluding to they're trying to go in and try to figure out hey I, I need to do something else any change that we make in life, other people are going to react differently to it, especially when it comes to substance use, especially at this age, right? When we're all young. So it's, it's really difficult to make those changes, but um, alcohol has such a negative effect on the brain long-term. Um, and I think it's great that, you know, you're trying to cope in a different way or just trying to not drink. I mean, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, I think, uh, you know, obviously, the urge for everyone, especially a 25 year old where, you know, all your buddies and whatnot are going out or just going up to dinner, have it, whatnot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I mean, I think, uh, I've, I've actually told Darius, like the podcast has been one of the main, um, you know, factors in helping me kind of mm-hmm. like stick with it. And not necessarily saying that, well, I was, you know, out of hand or, you know, mm-hmm. out of control, but the podcast has allowed me to, you know, talk about it more and, you know, focus and give me structure. And I think that kind of correlates into what people need to understand about talking to someone is that like, when you talk about it and get it out, like, yeah, maybe not the first time or the second time, but like, as you consistently discuss it and have some sort of like structure behind the amount of time you do talk about it it does make a serious difference because you can always focus on it and you're always you know maintaining that structure of you know instead of drinking i'm doing interviews for a podcast amazing i'm not (laughs) i'm not saying that that's like the case but i'm just using it as an example yeah I think when it comes to substance use, how I see all of those things is like you're using a substance to, to cope, right? Sometimes it's social, social peer pressure. You want to just hang out with your friends. But like you were alluding to before, people who are actually trying to mask things, substance use is one of those things where it's like it's going to mask it, but it's not going to make the problem go away. It's going to make you feel better right now, but long term, you're still going to have to deal with that. So when it comes to stopping drinking or at least identifying, hey, you know, when I am drinking, is it for the right reasons? So important. So important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think finding those constructive ways of coping is huge as well. And I think I was able to find those with the help of a therapist too. Um, and one thing that, they, that my therapist told me was I'm the type of person who needs structure. And for everyone, it's different. But for me, mm-hmm. I need structure. And developing a solid morning routine was something that I – 
um, really focused on. Um, so some of the things I implemented were meditation, which I'm sure, you know, is a very effective technique. That was something that was recommended to me and I use headspace every morning and um, I try to meditate. So I know that th that's one thing that's a great tool, I think universally for everybody. Um, and then other mm -hmm. things, you know, working out in the morning, but even little things like writing down three things that you're grateful for. I do that every morning and that's huge. Yeah. Just get me in a great upbeat mood and appreciative for the things that I have. Um, mm -hmm. I just think little things like that can help make an impact on, oh, on yeah. someone's well-being and mental health and just kickstarting their day. So what, obviously, like I said, those things work for me personally, but what are some of the things that maybe you suggest to help someone maybe get started on in a right direction mm -hmm. of coping um, the proper way instead of maybe trickling down the path of you know substance abuse or something along those lines? Oh, sure. Yeah, it's, it's unique for everybody, right? So um, when we think about the research out there, the clinical research, a lot of things, um, a lot of things that help people are uh, meditation, so focusing, breathing, right? Mm -hmm. Distraction techniques also help. I'm not saying just substance use is a distraction, but like, um, you know, getting your mind on something else, focusing on something else for now might be helpful for you to deal with stressful emotions in the moment. Um, but when it comes to coping and having adaptive coping skills, it's really just going to depend on the person. So, um, for example, we talked about this before. So when you grow up and you have coping skills that might not be so helpful, you might like yell, walk out, you might not talk to people, you might, um, sabotage relationships that may have kept you safe back then and helpful. Now replacing that with something that's helpful for you. So maybe it's saying to yourself, taking a, taking a breath and saying, what's actually going on right now? You know, like stopping and being in the moment. The biggest thing that helps people in my, in my opinion is meditation and meditation is a blanket term. Um, basically kind of getting in touch with the present moment. What's going on for me right now. That's making it difficult for me to deal. Right. What emotion am I experiencing? What's going on? Whatever. You really can't figure all that out unless you kind of stop and take a breath and just kind of think, what do I want for my life? What's going on? You know, so really taking inventory and developing a relationship with yourself. So, really trying to figure out what do I want for my life? What, what gets me up in the morning? You know, is it, is it getting a routine? So really figuring out what helps you. And then I'll, obviously you could see a therapist to figure this out as well, but you know you better than any therapist could know you, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anything that really helps you get in touch with your values. Um, so anything that helps you with, uh, just say one of your values is connecting to people, right? So it's okay, I'm gonna call my best friend every day at this time, right? So. And then when we look at the not so adaptive coping skills like substance use, um, sometimes it's even taking prescription medication, like, hey, I need to take a pill to calm down, things like that. Um, a lot of times you're kind of masking it and you're kind of pushing it down. Um, so just replacing it, like you said, with something that might be more helpful. And a lot of times it's very uncomfortable to start doing these new things. Like mm -hmm. to kind of sit with your thoughts sounds really scary sometimes too. I don't want to sit with my thoughts. I don't want to know what's going on in my head. But your body is screaming and pleading for you to just listen, right? Exactly. Like, hey, just like listen to me right now. Like, I'm literally showing you something's not right. So, yeah, the first thing I think would be is take inventory of what works for you. Um, what What do you actually need in this moment? What is going to make you feel better? Um, and then, if you are using any non-adaptive coping skills, um, what can I replace that with? Yeah, just okay. thinking to yourself and talking with yourself. Yeah. I I think uh, I mean. When you're trying, obviously when you're doing a panic attack and whatnot, like you're not thinking clearly and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, 
but I do think a lot of it is trial and error because um, obviously everyone's different and you know I've dealt with anxiety and whatnot for so long that even now I'm finding things that you know calm me down more than the stuff I was doing before and you know I think um you know just from somebody that's you know use things to cope that didn't help definitely like look for things that you would never expect to actually help you like for me like some (laughs) it's so weird the uh like cold water yeah that's one of oh that's based on research i like it okay yeah so like uh cold water and just like um you know, like I'm just, I got my hands on my bed sheets right now and I'm like, just kind of going back and forth, just like kind of like, um, not positive, but just like comforting feelings, I guess you could say that you can, you know, touch and realize that, you know, you're not having a heart attack, your arms, not numb, like, and, um, it's a grounding technique. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so like, I wouldn't have known that (laughs) unless, um, without you saying that, but like, I mean, it's, I think a lot of it is trial and error because, you know, people respond differently to so many different things. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's so many things out there that people need to realize that are beneficial, whether it's as simple as putting your head on a certain type of blanket or, you know, just, I had a panic attack yesterday. I sat in the shop and 35 minutes and just cold water hit my body and yeah. you know it was um yeah, I feel I almost feel better after I do it because you're allowing um, your body to experience what it wants to experience right I, exactly I think, yeah one point I did want to make um I specialize in anxiety right so when we look at anxiety in the grand scheme of things um we think of evolutionary psychology back then when we were hunter-gatherers uh, we have that fight, flight, or freeze response, right? So if we see a bear, we see a threat, um, we're either going to run, we're going to freeze, or we're just going to fight it, right? So now in the 21st century, um, what that is, is financial stress, that threat. Financial stress, it's, um, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me, it's I don't know what I want to do with my life, that's the threat, right? The threat isn't a bear, the threat isn't some animal out there, it's your perception of your issues, right? And how am I going to deal with this? So Back then, um, when you deal with the threat, your body goes through all of this, this huge process. Um, you know, uh, your parasympathetic nervous system increases, um, your sympathetic nervous system decreases so that you can prepare to fight this threat. The exact same process happens when you experience anxiety. Um, the exact same process. So your body's getting hyped up. You might have a panic attack, like you're saying. Um, you might not know how to cope with things. You might feel dizzy. You might feel really stressed. Um, it's your body's way of trying to figure out what to do. Um, and I think the biggest thing is really taking inventory of why is this going on for me? And my body is just responding the way it knows how because we're human, right? Um, and it's one of those adaptive strategies that were helpful for us back in the day, right? Now we're like, there's no bear coming to eat me. Why am I feeling this way? Um, so I think when we look at it on the grand scheme of things, it's, it's really interesting because anxiety is actually really helpful. Um, and at the same time, it can be very unhelpful when we don't know what to do with it. Mm. it's just finding that fine line between you know because anxiety can you know keep you in check and say hey you're not maybe not you need to be mm-hmm. focused on other things but yeah. when it becomes um 
debilitating and getting in the way of what you need to be doing, that's when um, anxiety is not good. So yeah, that's like, it's, there's definitely yeah. good anxiety out there for sure. It's, mm-hmm. I've, I can tell when, okay, this is, this is a good anxiety. I need to be doing something else. Mm-hmm. But it's just when it becomes, you know, when it gets in, your, in, in between your day to day and your, almost like your physical function, that's when it, you know, is, is an issue. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I, again, we appreciate you coming on. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, so thank you again for um, coming on and speaking with us. It was greatly appreciated and it was a privilege talking with you. Absolutely. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. And if you feel comfortable, would you mind uh, maybe just dropping your website or social media platforms so people can you know, get in touch with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, um, how can they? Uh, um, so my, my website, uh, it's www.drkristincasey.com. I have a Twitter, um, Dr. Kristen Casey. I have an Instagram, Dr. Kristen Casey. So you just type that in and you'll find me. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Greatly yeah, appreciate no having you on. This is thank awesome. you again. Thank you. Very beneficial for a lot of people. So thank you. Yep. Absolutely. See you guys.